The Cleveland Guardians won three out of four this past weekend, five out of seven. They are currently the first team out in the playoff race. We're going to get into the weekend. We're going to talk some prospects all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I can't be the only one severely thrown off by the 11.30 start time for the Sunday game. Uh, the fact of the matter is, where I live, it was a 10.30 start time. It was even earlier. Uh, I, who else? And especially like where you're trying to find it, Peacock. The Peacock Network. <sighs> Baseball. I, you know, Selling everything you can sell, uh, but making it hard to find your game. That's very appropriate. Making more money, but getting less eyes. That's baseball anymore. Let's get into this one. The Guardians have not, they won 5 of 7 on this homestand. Uh, and it's not like it's going to get a ton harder. The next series up, Colorado Rockies will preview them on tomorrow's show. Uh, after Colorado, yeah, then it does get a little more difficult. You got the Dodgers, and then you got the, the Twins, the Red Sox, the Twins again. Like This is a chance. If the Guardians really want to be contenders, if this really wants to be a year to be a contender, this is the stretch to do it in. Yeah, the Dodgers are rough. But the Red Sox are the team that are, uh, what, a thousandth of a percentage point behind Cleveland. They're currently sitting fourth in the wildcard rankings. Cleveland is three and a half behind Tampa, I want to say. Uh, yeah, four behind Toronto, three and a half behind Tampa. Cleveland at .518. Uh, Boston's at .517. And then no one else is even 500. If you're curious, the next few spots in the wild cards. The Angels and the White Sox, with the Angels again being a thousandth of percentage above the White Sox, and then the Rangers at fifth with a 466 winning percentage. So yeah, it's it, Cleveland. You know, Tampa currently has a 576 winning percentage. It is a big gap to make. But as something, a tweet that got a lot of likes this weekend, uh, I point out. Okay, so the Guardians are third in the wild card, the second year in a row they have the youngest team in baseball. None of their big prospects have really hit yet, like Quan and core this group of Quan and gonzalez uh, even though, like owen miller i don't believe was ever really listed as the top 10 in this organization once they acquired him but you look at at Quan, you look at uh, palacios you look at all these young guys who fit these aren't the big names they're top end prospects still haven't hit the big leagues yet I'm not talking about anyone who i really think has been consistently a top five prospect listed in the system it's the youngest team in baseball finally playing their young players uh the big prospects haven't even hit yet. And oh, by the way, when uh, someone graduated from the top 100 prospect list, they moved Gavin Williams into the top 100 over at MLB.com. And the Guardians now have the most players in the MLB.com top 100 prospects. Youngest team in baseball still have the most prospects listed on that list. And I don't think, you know, I think all players listed are not guys who are coming off. I don't think like Stephen Kwan was never, he wasn't even in the top 10 for MLB.com. Now some places had him there. Uh, some people had him in the top 100. Fangrass and Keith Law come to mind. But MLB did not have him there. None of these guys who are playing this year, who are rooks, are part of that group, are losing the eligibility. So they are the youngest team in baseball. The big prospects have not hit the big leagues yet. They're the third in the wild card. And they still have, you know, by just, again, this team is all about quantity, not necessarily quality. They want to have a large swath of players 
and see who works out. You know, Jose Ramirez is never a top 100. Shane Bieber was never a top 100. Goes through this team. Most of its top players are not top 100 guys. So having the most guys in the list might be more valuable than having the top guy on the list if you are the Guardians. Honestly, I think I, I believe that. That is my belief of what they think internally. Should we get into these games? Should we start there and then, or should we talk some prospects? So, a few quick prospect notes. How about the fact that Gavin Williams made his uh, debut today? Well, today of my recording for Akron. Five and two thirds innings, one hit, one run, five strikeouts. Good, good for him. Uh, good for the Guardians. But yeah, he made his debut today. That is just another guy moving up the line. Another player doing that. Uh, I have a few other tweets. I'll mentioned throughout but you know those are the ones that uh, that was gavin williams making his debut uh nolan jones continues he had a you know it's fran mills eyebrow i'm probably not giving it correctly you know if you look for that you're going to find it that twitter account has been has turned into a uh just a stan account for nolan jones and other players i i mean i appreciate it but one of the nice things is like he had a great clip of just Jones going the other way the other day. And a few other things like that where he they certainly seem to have worked with him a lot on his approach, his swing. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, he, he's looked like a bit of a different guy in the early goings this year. I just wish he'd been healthy so we could see more. But that was, that was something fun in addition. Let's do a quick time check and then we're going to talk about Friday's game. Because uh, I can't not at least get one game in this early going uh, over the course of this weekend series. So I was trying to remember. I believe, yeah, this would have been Fridays, correct? <laughs> I, I didn't get to watch all of Fridays, but I did get to watch the important part. Uh, yeah, because I remember coming in and being like, oh, man, it's a shame it's not a damn recording. Like, I hopped in uh, for the very end. Like, I hopped in in the, the ninth inning uh, to see. I mean, Blackburn it was amazing. Eight innings, four hits, one walk, three strikeouts. Danny Jansen, who's been a good closer, the Guardians roughed him out. Tristan McKenzie, uh, a solid bounce back after two weaker things. The problem for him is just continues to be the long ball. Uh, five hits, two walks, two home runs, both of his coming on the home run. Sandlin had a good, of course, there was a walk in there. Trevor Steffen, I mean, Steffen, we'll get into him when we get into Sunday's game. It's been rough. He has found some regression to mean. I'm curious what's going on. Is the new pitch no longer like an unknown? So teams now have tape. Is it not as good? It's it's been a pretty big issue. Uh, McKenzie also had a pair of wild pitches, and there was an intentional walk to Andres Jimenez in this one. If you missed it, we let's just let's skip to where I came in. Let's come in in that ninth inning and just talk about the ninth inning in general. So, uh, you know, they Jimenez comes in and immediately get Jose Ramirez getting a 16th home run of the year. Naylor walks. Oscar Gonzalez doubles. Andres Jimenez gets a walk. Owen Miller does a sacrifice to tie it. Um, then Quan gets like an infield single and they try to like, it was a play. They challenge it because they didn't have anything else to do. Like why not challenge it? But it was clear that he was safe. Um, so he gets a single. Then Luke Maley, uh, sacrifice fly gets another run across to make it a three, two and win the game, essentially a walk off sack fly. Uh, because I think the, what happened, I'm trying to remember exactly in this, having watched it. It's like, as the play was developing, is this the one where he came too far around third? Where the single came through, and then it's like, uh-oh, but everything worked out. You know, either way, I, they were down 2 nothing. 
They got three in the ninth. What a come from behind win. Uh, you know, it should give Anthony Ghost picks up the win. He had a really solid uh, inning as well. Pitching was great. Jose Ramirez had three extra base hits. He had two doubles and a home run. Uh, he just continues to rake. Obviously, he's one of your three players of the game. McKenzie gets one of the other ones. We'll debate who reached base twice in this one. Well, Naylor had a pair of walks. And I think that's it because everyone else only had one hit, correct? Yeah, so that is your players. Uh, for me, I'm going to give play- the third star in this one to Oscar Gonzalez for having the extra base hit, for it being a timely hit to advance the runners and really put some pressure on him in this one. Uh yeah, it was a game like it kind of looked like they're going to lose it. You're you're entering the ninth. Danny Jimenez has been a really good, a solid closer for them, uh, but they just put together. And overall, looking at this one, it was one of those games that there's a lot of reasons why they maybe shouldn't win it, and they managed to pull it out. Yes, at some point we got to discuss that Miles Straw is turning in the worst hitter on this team, not named Austin Hedges, and you know we discussed that that he was probably going to regress that if he could be a league average bat, I was going to be so happy with that. Cause that's not what we've seen with him. I know there are people out there like, did we rush to give him an extension? And I just want to, before we go to commercial break saying no, cause here's the underrated aspect of miles straw. Miles straw's best friend on this team, I believe is Jose Ramirez. And I know everyone talks about Jose and Ahmed, but straw and Ramirez, I talked about on the one show where you saw him hanging out in the dugout. Those two were very close. You know, Ahmed might be, you know, I'm not I'm not here doing a friend's rank list, but he is very close to Miles Straw. And Miles Straw is an elite defender in center field. There's always value in that. Some might say the best defender in center field because he is that way by some metrics. Looking at what he has meant defensively and then what his value is, like that might have been part of the reason Jose wanted to stay. He knew that Straw was getting an extension done. Like they told Straw, we're going to put this on hold for a day and get back to it. We're almost, they're at like the, you know, the, the one yard line on his negotiations when they stopped to get Jose across. So that probably brought additional value to Jose knowing like his, one of his closest friends, maybe his closest friend. And uh, if you, I don't always read all of uh, Jason Lloyd stuff on the athletic, but we had a piece where he talked about like, you know, who straw was super close with in Houston, Michael Brantley. Like this is just a guy who uh, seems to have a lot of close friendships. So you'll take elite defense. It's not high cost stuff. Should he be hitting first? No. No, in an ideal world, Miles Straw is your ninth hitter. He hits ninth, he brings some speed to the bottom of the lineup, and then you just you you deal with everything else because of what he brings defensively. Uh, but right now, it's a little bit of a miscast situation. Yeah, he is scuffling hard. But the Guardians win this one. Oh, the last, last bit of business on these. Let's do our box score bingo. So the Guardians had seven hits and three walks, so that's 10 opportunities. An error by Oakland is 11, and the intentional walk is 12. Uh, three with that many home runs with, uh, I'm sorry, just one home run and three doubles, the extra base hits. You honestly would expect closer to four runs, maybe five. So that's a little low. The other side of things, six opportunities, uh, two runs and six opportunities for Oakland. That's right aligned. But again, they had two home runs. So you'd almost expect that to be a little higher offensively. Both teams kind of didn't live up to the overall box score. Let's take our first break. We're going to come back and discuss games two and three in this series. Uh, all on today's Lockdown Guardians. Our first sponsor today is one of our my favorites. That's Athletic Greens. I've talked about them many times. It is a product that when I had it, I used literally every day. I started taking AG1 because it was something they sent me. 
and because I got tired of so many of the supplements out there and it gets very expensive if you want to get the full range of supplements. So this is all of your supplements in one place. It is has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. And they're, you know, they have sustainability and values. They work to get, uh, they donate to organizations including No Kid Hungry, and they donate, donate over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's, let's just start right in the seventh inning of the game on Saturday. Uh, this was the one loss, and, you know... It, it's interesting because Zach Plesak actually pitched pretty well. I know a lot of people are like, it wasn't that great of a game. Like, let's just take a guy who went into the seventh inning. Um, and yeah, he gave up three runs, four earned. Uh, this was a loss that's not his fault. This is a loss because let's talk about it. He gives up a single and then another single. This is the, the bottom of the lineup. You know, they're trying to see if they can get it kind of turned over one more time, maybe get him through the seventh before everything goes awry here. But unfortunately, first two guys reach. They go and get Eli Morgan, and that's, you know, great. This is exactly, he is your high-leverage guy anymore. Gets Pache to strike out. Tony Kemp reaches on a fielder's choice, and then Josh Naylor's throwing error. This is when everything goes off the rails. Like, they really could have won this game. It should have been, you know, it's... And I just paused it to go watch that play again. There should have been an out. Either you go to first. What you should have done was go to first. Um, throwing while you're kind of leaning back, that's that's a dumb call. You're not getting the double play. You're not. With Tony Kemp running, you're not getting the double play. Just take the force at first. Don't force that play. Ramon Lariano strikes out. Guess what? It's out of the inning. After that, they get the run across. It's a 5-3 game, and the Guardians end up winning, likely. But instead, Naylor makes a really boneheaded call. It extends the inning. You don't get that extra out. After the strikeout, they get a single and a grand slam. 7-5 to five at that point. And I know you could be like, well, you know, they got even more off of them uh, as the game went on. That it wasn't just they got one in the 8th and one in the ninth. But you're not necessarily running out the guys you're running out. Um, it, it's a different situation when you're not already down two runs. Like, I... Yeah, maybe vote still homers. Guess what? It's five to four. And if we go to the ninth, and we talk about what happens here, um, you know, I kind of forgot just how poorly it went in the ninth. With I mean, Sean Murphy had himself a heck of a weekend with home runs on Friday and Saturday. Uh, it was not a bad week, or it was a bad weekend to be someone that I support on the show. With Morgan, I mean, Morgan gave up three unearned runs. His ERA doesn't change. And Yale gave up a home run, and then Sam Henches gave up two. Just brutal. Um, but again, if this is a situation where it's a five to four to game, five to four to game, five four game, uh, you get Class A in there, and he maybe wraps it up, and all of a sudden it's a win. This was an easily winnable game, and that you know, I know uh, Rosario also had a. a th- no, he did not have a throwing error. It was a bad throw in the videos I saw from this one. But either way, uh, Naylor with a massive boneheaded move moment that you can really say swung the whole game. Uh, 
you know, going through here, it's like who who reached base twice in this one? Well, you had Andres Jimenez, who can he just play against lefties? For crying out loud, can he play shortstop where he's good? Uh, I know uh, Rosario had a great game Sunday. We'll get into it, but man, it's just you're setting your you are hamstringing yourself with some of the things they do with this team, and it drives me up a wall. Uh, Gonzalez had three hits, and then Andres Jimenez had uh, a hit and a walk. And that's that's it. I mean, for all of their hits, I mean, Jose Ramirez had a double. Oscar Gonzalez had two doubles. Owen Miller had a double. was not a lot of multi-hitters in this one. So, you know, Oscar Gonzalez is clearly one of our stars in this one. I think you give another one to Andres Jimenez with his hit and his walk. I, I mean, part of me says give it to Plesak. Six innings of three earned run baseball, that's something you'll take. It could have been better, yeah, but this is... It, the the one downside for this with me is the fact that like it's not a good offense. It's one of the worst offenses in baseball, and they just crushed the Guardians pitching throughout the weekend. That that should be a concern on a few levels. Uh, but I think overall, six innings, three runs, you give it to Plesak. I mean, who else am I going to give it to? You're not giving it to to Naylor after that throw. I mean, he essentially lost the game on that throw. Now again, you don't blame him entirely, but it was not good it was but the whole game was not exactly top shelf performers like i said they they couldn't string things together but oakland had 13 hits one walk and a uh, hit batter so that's 15 plus the error gives them 16 opportunities they got 10 runs on 16 opportunities that is a lot but they also had one two three four home runs i guess it would have been easier just to look at the pitching total yeah that's how you get 10 runs on 16 opportunities. I mean, they really got everything to work together. Cleveland had nine hits. The one error gives them 10, and the one walk is an 11. Five runs on 11 opportunities. That's also a high amount, um, especially for a team that did not, you know, have a home run based on the doubles. I mean, offensively, things were there. It was a solid performance. But what we're seeing overall in this one was just an annoying game. Let's just put it down that way. This was an annoying loss because it could have easily been a win. They had enough offense. Just the importance of fielding. And then the bullpen just imploded, and we'd see some more of that imploding in Sunday as well. But let's let's get into Sunday's game now. So the Guardians end up winning the weird 11.30 start time game. Uh, Paul Quantrell. No, Cal. Paul was his uncle who pitched for the Blue Jays. Uh, Paul Quantrell, I did again, Cal, <laughs> not Paul, Cal. Uh, I do still appreciate, you know, I'm 40, so I remember when Quantrell and Plesak were both pitching with the Blue Jays, and now we have them, uh, younger generation with the Guardians. This was a nice offensive game uh, from several people that I have, you know, been uh, rough on on this podcast. Straw had two hits, three hits by Ahmed Rosario. He's now up to a 618 OPS. Uh, he is now still... The uh, here's what's frustrating too. So we've talked about like he should be able to handle second. If you can play short, you can play second. I don't see any reason he can't play second base. Andres Jimenez is such a good shortstop defensively. He's a plus defender at shortstop, and you're not playing him against lefties, so you can play Ernie Clement, who's at a two fourteen batting average of five twenty five on uh, OPS. Clement is a fine bench bat. He's a fine sub utility type guy. 
he runs well he can play multiple positions like that last guy on your roster perfect that is he he does that so well playing him like they are is overexposing him and your your second best hitter a guy who legitimately has an all-star claim you can make a case for Andres Jimenez in that all-star game and you're not playing him every day because he's not ready or you think he can't just let let's see like what you're not what are you losing here I, I also know it's partially because I want to rest Jose I I bet you Jimenez can play shorts or third base he's got the arm I think he'd be fine there I don't think that would be an issue at all um I don't know how much he's played in the minors I have to go dig but I think he could play it, and you'd be better off as a team if you, again, are like, well, we don't have anyone else who can play third, and we want to give Jose. It's just, and Mercado, yowza. He's below 200. He is not good. The problem right now is, what what do you do? Like, you don't want to call up someone else to ride the bench. It's bad enough that Richie Palacios isn't getting reps all that often uh, when you go through because they have... You know, but at the same time, it's like I understand the whole righty lefty situation, and it drives me absolutely mad that like Cole Irvin is in. So that means we gotta we gotta play these platoon split. Like Oscar Mercado and Ernie Clement are not good hitters; they're just not. Like you're making yourself worse as a team because you're obsessing about a platoon split when the platoon split doesn't matter. So yeah, that is an issue. Like, it'd be one thing if you had, you know, Jordan Luplo, who was a good platoon caddy type. We don't have that right now. That, that doesn't happen for Cleveland. They don't have a good platoon caddy. They put in a below average bat. So why not just let the young kids play, see if someone surprises you, or, you know, put out your best defenders so you're not getting a net negative value. Not that Clement is a negative value, but not having him in as a shortstop is a negative value. Uh, we're going to continue talking about this game in a moment. And our next sponsor is Bet Online. They got you covered. They're your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, news, odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL hockey finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the web- website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, let's let's talk about more about the win. You notice the hat change. So yes, up in the room, uh, kids happened, and I had a bit of a pause break between segments here. So I know I'm getting some people, and I already saw like they're talking about oh, you know Rosario. Good. We- it's not a good weekend by Rosario again. It was a good game. Yeah, he's improving, uh, but he's still is nowhere near the second like the two hole should go to your best hitter like advanced math shows us this like there's certain things that we can just go into the numbers and talk about you know your best hitters where they should go he's not the best hitter on this team he's not the second best hitter on this team he's not the third best hitter on this team he's not the fourth best hitter on this team and even if he was the fourth best hitter on this team which he's not which for his career, he's been average to below average. That is his career. And he's remember, these you get one and a half years away from free agency. It's not like this is Andres Jimenez, who had the one season, struggled a bit coming to Cleveland, and had the bounce back. No, no, this is a guy who had four years in the big leagues before they acquired him. He's a bad defender as well. 
So you're playing him at a position, the shortstop with the most valuable positions and playing not your best defender at short. So, yeah, it's fine. Tell me all about how he's playing better. Yeah, he puts in one good game a week, it feels like, where he kind of slowly moves up. And he's been steadily okay. And I'm not saying he shouldn't play at all, but uh, play him at second, you know, and bat him lower in the lineup. Playing him at shortstop and batting him at two is a mistake. And you're hamstringing your team. I don't care if he had a three for four game today. Uh, he is still not your second best hitter or your third or even your fourth. So there's no reason for him to be batting in the two hole. That being said, he had a pair of doubles as did Owen Miller. Uh, he's going to be one of the players of the game for this one. But I, I'll stand by my, you know, what I have stated here. Quantrell will be one of the players as well. Six innings, four hits, one earned run, two walks, four strikeouts, home run. Uh, Brian Shaw came in with solid. Now Trevor Steffen's got an ERA higher than Shaw's as he gave up two runs, get the, you know, left it up, had a pair of solo shots. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's interesting for a team as bad as Oakland has been this year. They just teed off. I feel like they had more home runs over the course of this weekend than they had in the last, like, three weeks. I don't know what it was. I mean, Cleveland doesn't care about home runs. They're willing to give up the long ball. They'd rather have that. You know, we've discussed that whole approach many times in the show. But Trevor Steffen, it's very disappointing you know, he wasn't going to stay otherworldly. He wasn't going to stay this, like, near all-star level where he was at. Class A has a, an immaculate. He's now getting, for all the complaints about Emmanuel Class A, and I've heard many over the course of this year, uh, that's save 11 and a 1.85 ERA. He's obviously doing something right. Uh, Cha is what Cha is. Just I'm going to make peace and move on. It was a solid performance by him. Give him credit where it's due. Trevor Steffen, though, man, it's been a rough few weeks. There's no other way around it. He was so good in the early going, and I don't know if he's tipping pitches. I don't know what he's doing. If teams just have now gotten used to having that you know, new pitch, and then it's not the same. But if I go click on his games log, uh, and we just look at you know each of these performances. Let's see. We go back into May. It's like at the end of May, he had a, a four-point ERA. 4.0. He'd given up where is it? Like two earned runs in his second outing. And then in May 26th and May 27th, back-to-back outings where he gave up a run. You come into June, and that's the thing. So go back before May 26th. Houston, one inning, a 2.55 ERA. Again, ERA isn't the best, but you know a .94 um, GOOA. His batting average, well, that's just in that one. You know, it, the thing with ERA and my quote is just because you can see the, the change over the course of the month overall for him. And it's, you know, May 26th, he gives up a run against Detroit. Gives up two versus Kansas City on the 30th. Then he doesn't give up a run in the next three. Texas, and then the June 9th, June 10th in Oakland. June 12th, today, two more runs. And then, you, like I said, you can go before May 25th, go to May 19th. That's three uh, three runs, two earned against Cincinnati and then an earned run before that was Cincinnati. He was really disgustingly filthy in April. Didn't give up a single earned run in April. Didn't give up his first earned run until May 2nd or May 4th. And since then, it's been a little bit more of a struggle. He had three good outings after that. And then since then, it's been two with an earned run. Let's see, how many? So one, two, three, four, five. Let me, so he has had... Nine outings, he's given up a run in five of them. That's not ideal. And I don't really have a good answer. I, you know, leave it to someone smarter than me to really dig into what's going on there. But obviously, something is not quite right. 
Reach base twice. Well, Straw, Rosario did it, as did Owen Miller, and I believe that is it. I don't think we had... Uh, nope. So, box score bingos were 10 hits for Cleveland, one walk and one intentional walk. That gives them 12 base runners total. And they got and an error by Oakland, so 13. So they got six runs on 13. That's fantastic, especially without any home runs. They really were able to put stuff together. Other side of things, Oakland had three hits, two walks, and a hit batter. So they had 11 opportunities. Remember, Cleveland only had 12 opportunities and got six runs. On the 11 opportunities, they only got three runs. And that's with all of them being solo shot home runs. They had five extra base hits. Uh, it's just a big problem for them is you go down their lineup and you got Chad Pinder who went three for four, but they're, you know, <laughs> you look at the top of the lineup, and it's, that's why I'm laughing. It's like after their four hitter, their five through nine had three hits, and all of those belonged to Chad Pinder. I mean, the rest of it, they just didn't have much to show. Um, Cleveland was able to miss bats at the right moment. They were able to go ahead and get this win in the weird start time. Your three stars in this one, Quantrell, Ahmed Rosario, and Owen Miller. Miller reached base three times, a intentional walk, a walk, and he had a double. Rosario had two doubles, three total hits, and then Quantrell had a you know another quality start for him uh, in this one. Cleveland ends the day 29-27. Like I said, they're three and a half behind Tampa. They're continually moving up. So, I, you know... What should we talk about here at the end? Well, let's let's go some tweets that I had saved that I thought were worth pointing out. Joe Collins one, who I believe writes for Indians Baseball Insider. I could be wrong there. No, he's a W. I'm totally wrong on that. He's a yeah. No, he's official uh, CBI and uh, does some work for WTB News. Uh, he uh, talked about the fact that. This is the best record for Cleveland against Oakland since they were 10-2 and in 1999 and the first series win against them since 2016. Another interesting thing from by Ryan Lewis, who I believe still works for the Akron Beacon Journal, uh, that Oscar Gonzalez has 25 hits in his first 15 games and the most by a Cleveland player in their first 15 games in franchise history. So we don't have a ton of time left in the show, but let's very quickly talk about Oscar Gonzalez. I talked about on here that I said, call him up. He could be another unicorn. Uh, there's nothing to waste by not calling him up. Let's see what he can do. And obviously with that stat by Ryan Lewis, uh, he has been unbelievable. The question becomes, okay, so here is my concern with him. One, 1.6% walk rate. Okay. We'll have to see. Uh, K percentage at 11.5%. His minor league K percentage has been over 20. I will say the past few years, he has brought that down with some work in the system. His K percentages the past few years have been 14, 18, 17, uh, 16. That's since 2019. So you can see a definite shift for him. That is important. I don't think he's going to maintain 11%. That's going to go up. His bat pip is a 472. His minor league bat pip is a 331. Uh, the greatest career bat pip was Rod Carew at 359. So you're looking at him being incredibly lucky. At some points, it's not going to keep falling in, which again is an impossibility. He's got a 188 runs created plus. That's going to change. What is his pathway to success? And I think, you know, I want to give credit where it's due here. Uh, John Henry Grimm with two M's pointed out uh, Salvador Perez. And that is, that's probably the guy. If you want to see the high-end outcome for Oscar Gonzalez, it's Salvador Perez, who has had some big ups and downs in his career. But is that guy who never walks, uh, strikes out at kind of a similar percentage. I mean, Salvador Perez walk for his career, 3.6%, 18.1% for his K percentage. 
Now, his bat pip is two, down at 287. Oscar Gonzalez does have good speed. He can maybe maintain about a 315. But you can look, Salvi, some years where he's had a lot of at-bats, he's hit 290 all the way down to like this year's batting 217 if you don't or 333 one year my bad that was only in 37 games so we don't really count that but 292 and then 235 you know his run created plus have gone again we won't count the small ones but he sat around the the 90s he's had some seasons in the hundreds he's had a lot of up and downs now uh he always was a catcher and a good team guy he's got a career award that might surprise you at only 15 because he was never a great defender so there, this is kind of the similar pathway to success. You look at, you know, Salvi with the 20-odd home runs a year, the 48. I mean, that's a funny thing with him. Like, if you combine his two highest years before this, they would be 54, and he had 48 last year. It's a real crazy outlier for him uh, in his age 31 year. But this is probably the profile you're looking at. Because for Oscar Gonzalez to work, he's got to continue. He's never been a great defender. Can he be average to above average? Potent- I mean, he's above average right now based on metrics, so... Uh, you know, you just want him to be average. Can he hit uh, kind of a hollow 280s, we'd call it, with almost no walks? Potentially. Can he have, like, 50 extra base hits a year between, like, home runs and doubles, maybe? Like, this is the pathway. It is a very narrow way for him to be successful. We'll see how it's going to go. At some point, when regression hits, it's going to be ugly because it's going to be a massive regression. It's going to be like what we saw with, with you know, Naylor and Miller and Quan, some of those where, like, you know, we discussed just how hard the regression can come at you. But for now, let's just enjoy it. And the bigger thing, well, honestly, too, it's like you make a list of last year, the three players who got the most at-bats in the outfield or the most played appearances and at-bats for the Cleveland Guardians were Bradley Zimmer, Harold Ramirez, and Eddie Rosario. They traded Eddie Rosario halfway through the season. He was still third on the team and played appearances by an outfielder. Go back to 2020 when Domingo Santana was one of the big additions to this team's outfield. Then you look at you know what they have in place now with Quan getting an opportunity, with Gonzalez getting an opportunity, with Naylor potentially playing out there, with Ramirez potentially playing out there, with Palacios getting some time this year up there, uh, with the next wave of guys like Jones and Valera already being on the 40-man, with uh, Will Brennan in AAA is going to have to be added to the 40-man this offseason. What a change to this outfield. Now, having said all those names, the only right-handed bat is Oscar Gonzalez. So we want to see, figure out his pathway to success because he's never going to walk much. The question is, can he keep his strikeouts relatively low? Can he keep it right around 20 for his career, 21, 22, while hitting, having enough extra base hits? There is a pathway to success. It's going to be hard for him to do, and regression is going to be bad when it comes because he's gonna, it's going to balance out over the course of the year. It might be a slow one. But um, the biggest question is going to be, can he be more Salvador Perez and you know, ground out a career? Or once people see him once or twice, is this going to be like how Bobby Bradley was last June? That's kind of my question. We have to see with Oscar Gonzalez. Right now, enjoy the run while it lasts. I'm hoping that he will find kind of that balance that I was discussing and that it will come together for him and that this won't be you know, the Bobby Bradley, the Ben Francisco, Bradley Zimmer a year ago when we thought maybe he'd finally put together. Uh, I, I don't know. But hopefully it'll come together. And if it does, I mean, most of us who look at the data are going to be wrong. He's going to be that guy who overcomes. I mean, I was, I didn't think Salvador Perez would still be playing baseball right now, if I'm being honest, after his first few years. I'm like, he doesn't just throw it a little bit outside. He swings at, a, at everything. He makes contact. But he never struck out a lot. He didn't chase a lot. It's a weird profile. 
But that's how you have to be to be successful when you don't walk a lot. And that's maybe what we could see for Oscar Gonzalez. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Lockdown Guardians Podcast for this week. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Uh, I didn't explain who I was and do all that stuff. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts. Go check out the Lock on, Locked On. Uh, they're doing a lot with the NBA mock draft. Now the Cavs have their last lottery pick for hopefully a long time. Go hear what they might do over on that. Uh, and again, subscribe on the YouTube. Download daily. Those things. This is a fun team. Not only is this a good you know, I'm going to talk about what I talked about at the start of the show. They are third in the wild card with the youngest roster in baseball for the second year in a row. The most prospects in the MLB pipeline, top 100 prospects list, and none of their big prospects have hit the majors now. It's a fun team that is only going to get more fun. Be part of it. Get all the info you need here on Lockdown Guardians every day. From me, your host, Jeff Ellis. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.